The saving grace of middle school were the art classes. No surprises there, as I had mentioned before multiple times, especially in chapter 15. But despite everything we had done, not all of the art projects we had done were good indicators that I was skilled in any of the art forms we tried. They were more like excuses to have fun for an hour a day at least two days of the week. Case in point, there was a project where we had to sculpt animals that contained a whistle that we also had to sculpt out of clay using a popsicle stick and our finger. So the idea was you use your finger to make an indention that was formed in a way where if you blew into the insertion you made with a popsicle stick, the air would bend or curve or whatever thing it does in a whistle to make it whistle. And I decided to make a rattlesnake where the mouth and the rattle would be whistles, which I now realize that I had sculpted a snake that had a whistling butthole. Middle school is a sexually uncomfortable time on every possible level. We all know this. This, is, this isn't new. And I remembered this was the most challenging project I had in that art class. Because I would watch all the other kids around me polish and fix their whistles until they made the perfect sound and tunes. And it would, they would all be flawless. And I would struggle to find the right form and the right angle to make that happen. I was the only kid who had to have the teacher make the whistles for me until he finally said, look, I'll help you with the one, but you have to do the other one on your own. And the one that I made sounded like that moment when a toddler manages to whistle by accident. Don't get me wrong, I had a lot of fun, but I had fun the same way that you would playing an arcade game for the first time. You smiled all the way through, you may have had a good date, but you still sucked at what you were doing. But the project that I had to counter this experience, though, was, oddly enough, a self-portrait, which I feel like would demand a little more nuance. But you wouldn't know until you tried. And with this self-portrait, we took a picture of ourselves, and the picture was then layered with a 5x5 grid that filled the entire picture. From there, we had a 2x3-foot piece of sketching paper that we had to sketch very lightly, a faint 5x5 grid, and then replicate the picture onto the sketch paper. And while everybody was trying to figure out the way it worked so it was a giant cohesive piece, people would occasionally take a break to watch me. And I was in a flow state, so I had no breaks because I refused to take them. And I actually found it to be really relaxing to be able to make a drawing block by block. Because all I had to do, for example, was draw half an eye on one block, and because of how my eye was shaped on that one part, I knew where to start on the other block for the other half of the eye. And by the time I was done, I actually had a decent sketch. Granted, there wasn't any shading or contrast or any of that crap, but for only having a reference photo and one pencil, I was really proud of myself. Then came the second part of the project, where we had to use chalk pastel to mix our portrait with someone else's self-portrait to see what happens, and that's when my art project went from a surprisingly impressive sketch to this nightmare version of Hitler in desperate need of hair transplants and veneers. Still, it was nice to know where my skill set started at. Borealis Entertainment presents... Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home, a podcast memoir by M.K. Laud. Chapter 23, The Self-Portrait. Though I am by no means a Picasso, 
art was something that I became intrigued enough by to continue in different forms. There was my abstract acrylic phase, of course, where I made paintings like Compass, a pixel art phase, a character design phase, a sketching phase, but there was one art medium that had always caught my eye but I never found a good time to invest in. Gouache. So for all of my non-artists out there, gouache is a unique kind of paint because it's somewhere in the middle between acrylic and watercolor, where it has integrity similar to acrylic, but you can use water to reactivate it whenever you'd like, very much like watercolor. That may fly over most people's heads for painters, but it's all kinds of magical. There's a lot of YouTube videos that act as pretty decent tutorials where the results are what look like these gorgeous hybrids of watercolor and in some ways oil pastel. What surprised me, and maybe this is the case with other kinds of mediums, but it was really fascinating to see people use colors and hues that practically have nothing to do with skin colors like purple or green, but they would complement the colors they used for the subject's skin and it would add more of a dynamic contrast and scheme to the overall piece. And now that I was out of college and able to be as irresponsible with my full-time income as I damned well pleased, I decided to finally invest in a beginner set of gouache, including the tools you need, and a multimedia notepad. Around this time too, I was studying a class in hypnotherapy known as intuitive and energy healing, and it went into not only how to do some of the more esoteric practices on a level that isn't really a specialty but enough to implement it into your practice, but it also explained the logistics of the more hippy-dippy techniques. Specifically, one that I remember the most is the usage of the crystal pendulum. I hadn't known about it until I was in my late teens, and I thought it was the spirits of ancestors speaking metaphorically through the pendulum in your energy. And while some may subscribe to it or even claim that aspect to be true, HMI instructor and hypnotherapist Kat Lowe recognizes that pendulums are actually a good way to see how the holder's subconscious works through something called idiomotor responses. These are microscopic movements that each person does individually based on their mood and tendencies in their personalities. A perfect and the most common example of this is handwriting. No matter how close you get to one person's style, each person's style of writing is different on a microscopic level. So in the context of pendulums, you set it up by telling a truth and telling a lie in order to create a baseline. A really great example of this is saying what your name is and then lying about your name by saying a different name. So if you try to keep your hand, your wrist, and your arm as still as possible while you're holding the end of a pendulum, you would say something like, my name is MK, for example, and the pendulum will move in a certain direction. Then if you were to keep your body in the exact same position but say something like, my name is Bob or Alice or another name then the pendulum would move in a different and most likely opposite direction. This is because on a microscopic level, and you see this in every kind of idiomotor response exercise, your body will change its integrity based on the truth value of your statements. So when you lie, it's been shown that your body actually weakens or gives it away because it knows something's off. This is also the science behind Ouija boards, oddly enough. You're not really summoning a spirit more than you are combining everybody's idiomotor responses and your freakout reactions. It's not a demon, it's an accumulation of anxiety. So I was taking the quiz to pass the class and learn to implement it into my own hypnotherapy practice, and I started eyeing the gouache I had at the very end of my small ass desk when I began to let an idea brew a little bit. 
If you could use a crystal pendulum, more specifically an amethyst pendulum, to see what your body's saying subconsciously, could I apply that to the painting techniques I've collected over the years? And once I passed the quiz, I planned it out. I was going to use the same grid technique I learned in middle school to paint a self-portrait, but the colors I would use would be determined by holding an amethyst pendulum over all the colors I had, and then whatever color the pendulum swung towards would be the color I would use to paint that part of my face, and then figure out what it meant symbolically when the painting was done. It was a perfect way to capitalize on my big three skills. Portrait art, hypnotherapy, and overthinking. Lots and lots of overthinking. So I ordered an amethyst pendulum, which thanks to the shipping gave me enough time to sketch a self-portrait that I was comfortable with and relearn and analyze the intuitive and energy healing class and YouTube tutorials for gouache painting. By the time the amethyst arrived, I was all set. So I had the sketch in the center of my desk, the colors circled around it with the exception of a color palette and a full cup of water I had on my left, and in my right hand I held the pendulum and set up a baseline, which in this case I used the name statements. My name is MK. The pendulum then swung back and forth like it was nodding. My name is Bob. Then the pendulum swung side to side like you would when you would shake your head. And now that I had the baseline, I got to go on to the fun part. What color should I use to paint my left eye? The pendulum swung subtly at first, even a little indecisively. Then it moved towards a bold green, and that was the first on the palette. This had gone on for about two hours or so, and by the time I was done, I looked at it and I thought to myself, Oh my god! This is horrid! The most prominent colors I used were black and purple, so it looked like I ate a bunch of charcoal and then I got bitch slapped by the bulldozer that was going to use that charcoal. So I put it at the bottom of a drawer, never to see the light of day again, allegedly. I don't know why I kept it, but ultimately, I chose to bring it back out to make a podcast episode out of it because eventually I figured, well, if I've got it, I might as well use it for some purpose, which I guess goes to show that just because you watch a tutorial of something on YouTube doesn't mean you're a pro. Lesson learned, fair enough. But the more I studied it and tried to take the exercise seriously, the more two words kept popping up louder and louder in my head. Incohesive and bruised. So I was looking back at it, I tried to think about where I was at that point in my life in order for me to create those feelings that manifested themselves into the colors that they did. And this was around mid-January of 2022, and I started to reflect on where I was at that specific month. I was working two jobs, I had been in Ogden for four, maybe five months, and I think this was around the time where I began to feel kind of frustrated with where I was because I was at that point where I was projected to go into a specific direction because of a trade school, but because I wasn't there yet, it felt like a lot of what I was doing was kind of filler work until I was where I wanted to be, which you never want to be in that position. You never want to feel like your journey is a waste until you get to your destination, because you waste 95% of everything you're doing. Granted, I had my family, I had the elder crew, in fact, I would say my social life was the best it had ever been, but there were still these underlying feelings of confusion and, quite frankly, work fatigue. And I think a lot of it came from the pressure that I had put on myself. You've graduated college, 
one of your jobs is a potential career that you got because of one of your business mentors. So therefore, you don't get to feel the way you feel. And I think that's where the purple and the black came from, more specifically the ideas of incohesive and bruised. It was so exhausting trying to tell myself consciously that what I was feeling subconsciously was invalid that I felt like I was in a fight I was losing all the time. It was like trying to fix your engine by yelling at your car. Because by the time your voice is blown out, nothing's been done. And even though I haven't done this yet, I'm actually now very intrigued by a part two of this because I'm in a very different position than I was when I first did the experiment, both vocationally and skill-wise. And I think that's where getting it out onto paper really, really helped. Because I began to take my gouache painting more seriously by skipping the tutorials and just going for abstract pieces, no matter how ridiculous or poor they were, just to see what works and what doesn't. I also wound up getting new positions in different jobs, and both of these have been both beneficial and challenging in new ways, which I now look back at that painting and wonder if that's my subconscious indicating that I was going through a growing pain, but I was more focused on the pain than I was on the growth, because I still needed to learn how to listen to my subconscious, even if it felt like a giant gamble to do so. Ultimately, this was a really interesting experiment, and after doing some five-second research, I, th I think I did art therapy by accident. Because by definition, art therapy is just expressing yourself through art for the sake of your well-being, whether that's just catharsis or reading too much into what you made like I did. So, even though I had no intention of doing that, I kind of figured out a way to get therapeutic with a happy accident. Which, as somebody going to hypnotherapy, I'm not going to complain. But, for anybody who wants to replicate this, the idea is, even though I made it super convoluted, I don't think you need a pendulum to do this exercise more than you need to be in a flow state. Because a flow state can show you the same things for the most part that a pendulum can. They're just different techniques that, when done right, will yield the same results. It's more of a matter of what works best for you and whether or not you capitalize on that. And I do have to admit, I don't like to because I'm biased, but I have to admit this. Painting or something else could be your version of therapy rather than therapy itself. Again, it all comes down to what you get out of it and whether or not that's productive and positive, even if it takes a little while to realize what that is. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I know this episode was a little shorter than some of the other ones I've done, but I hope it still leaves you better than it found you. And if you're at all interested in hypnotherapy, I would love to help in any way I can. Just reach out on Instagram at mklotprohobbyist, and I would love to do what I can. Also, if you're interested in doing this experiment for yourself, I'll leave the resources and the tools in the show notes for you to check out total disclaimer they are affiliate links but those purchases will go to funding and growing the podcast so i scratch your back you get me monetized totally fair <laughs> thank you as always for listening and until next time here's to finding your way